I'm Lizanne Flynn. I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in, meaning I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animals I View podcast. Starting back in June, I offered to the planet the first module of what I would call intuitive exploration and expansion. And tonight, the group and I that were working together are starting on the second module. And the first module was more about where is my intuitive switch, if you will? How do I turn that on? What is my particular skill set? What does that feel like? We started tiptoeing and then jumped with all, with both feet <laughs> into the deep end of journaling our dreams and understanding how energy is always present no matter where we are. It's simply a matter of being more sensitive to that as well as deciphering, translating, if you will, the master language of energy. And so tonight we're starting the second module of this intuitive exploration and expansion. And because we are stepping into, I guess I would say the contrast part of what we did with the first four modules, we are stepping a little bit more into the opposite side of the same coin for lack of a better word, shadow slash contrast. And it was really interesting to me that I had a bit of a challenge with the presentation. I knew what I wanted the message to be. I knew that I would invite them again, as I did in the first module's webinars, to honor all parts of this physical, emotional, and mental experience while remaining even more anchored in and deeply connected to the soul path, which is the thread, at least in my perception, that kind of stitches all of these lifetimes and experiences together, kind of no matter what planet you happen to be on. And certainly some of those aspects of this physical, emotional, and mental experience in human belief systems would say some of those things are not okay. Again, in other words, contrast to the light. And I would invite you, as you can, to kind of leave behind the word shadow. I am not taking credit for this. All the credit goes to Abraham Hicks. I think I've mentioned Abraham Hicks to you all before. And if you haven't yet brought that into your experience, I would definitely invite you to look up their videos. They're pithy, they're funny, they're deeply impactful, and I just I just enjoy the heck out of them. And I think it's fair to say that within our human-centric belief systems, we definitely have some behaviors, we have some thoughts, we have some feelings, all of those things that 
certainly a herd of beings in human experience, because humans are, after all, herd animals. We like being together in a group. Most of us do anyway, (laughs) on a certain level. We feel more secure when we're in a group of other people. And within that a particular group, there are going to be norms. There's going to be, yeah, it's not okay to say what you're thinking and just kind of say it outright. Within certain groups, certain culture, cultures, etc., some of those things are going to vary widely. There might be some cultural human group norms that say, yeah, it's perfectly okay to say whatever it is you want to say. There are other cultural norms that say, no, it's not okay to say those sorts of things. And you should really only, quote unquote, confess your sins, the bad thoughts, all of those sorts of things to someone in a belief system hierarchy who can tell you that it's okay, I forgive you. Now go back out there and don't have any more of those, again, perception, sinful thoughts again. And I think what I'm going to strive for in this particular module, and definitely in this podcast, is to say it is only human perception that makes a certain thing that way. And that kind of dovetails into belief systems that we have kind of all over the place. We have historical belief systems, we have political belief systems, we have religious belief systems, we actually have scientific belief systems. And when I got to the point after struggling with this presentation in this particular module, I don't mind admitting that I was at the point of like, oh, that's right. I'm not looking at this from the animal's point of view. That's what the problem is here. (laughs) And then, of course, everything, at least in my world, became ultimately much more clear because to me, they are the arbiters of what's best. And in that way, less is always more. And I know that I have quoted to you all Buckminster Fuller before you know, creating a model that makes the old model obsolete and don't bash the former. And I think it's kind of challenging in human experience to bring forth a new way of looking at things. And even if you do so in a really neutral way, that People who hold a particular belief system and hold it very dearly and very deeply within themselves are not going to feel somehow threatened by that. That's where neutrality is going to be your very best friend. And that's why within the first module of this intuitive exploration and expansion, we worked significantly at taking situations and going, okay, so how can I neutralize this? How can I take mind minus the mind always? And in this point, any belief system that I have out of the equation, so I can look at things as simply pure energy, which is how the animals always do. The author of The Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner was a guy by the name of Samuel Taylor Coleridge. And one of the things he wrote was, you do not believe, you only believe that you believe, which was kind of mind-blowing to me, 
that the belief itself most often isn't necessarily backed up by facts or reality. And I know at this point in time, especially here in the U.S., we have lots of different perceptions of reality and lots of different belief systems going on that seem to run counter to the other. And even those perhaps that would say, well, it's scientifically proven that yes, wearing a mask does cut down on the transmission of COVID-19. There are other people who would say, well, I just don't believe that to be true. And so from the animal perspective, they would say, the fact remains that this particular virus is choosing to present to beings in human experience and pretty much no other beings on the planet at this point in time, lots of different information and data about how we are. And we can either choose to interact with that directly, or we can choose to believe In other words, something that would fly certainly in the face of reality, at least my reality, perhaps your reality and scientific fact, that it doesn't exist. And so if you visualize a flame and the different colors of a flame, how a belief system starts is that you start with personal values. Personal values that beings in human experience hold very, very closely within themselves. And then we adopt an idea that somehow resonates with those personal set of values without any set of supporting facts and reality. I'm thinking currently of 45 and when he came down the escalator and that um, speech that he gave of how immigrants coming into this country of a particular cultural background, that they happen to be rapists, etc. That's an idea without any set of facts. That then morphs into a belief that someone whose personal set of values resonates with that belief. And then that morphs into, on the outer part of the flame, an attitude or a feeling in regards to someone or something. And we, as I've said, we we have lots of human-centric belief systems, political, religious, scientific, And certainly in the scientific realm, when you look at the work of, say, for instance, Candace Pert and Masaru Emoto, that was labeled as pseudoscience by other traditions of science. And the really interesting thing about these human-centric belief systems is that they have a couple of different things, at least from my perception, as, as part of their particular makeup. They reinforce duality on the planet. There is a good and evil. There's a right and a wrong. They usually have a hierarchy of some kind, all are not equal. They mandate separation from other systems of belief. In other words, only one is right. And they have developed their own verbal language to be adhered to if new ideas come forward to be considered. In other words, yeah, I understand you have this great new idea, but you have to talk our language and basically use our formula, whatever it is that we as a group have adhered to first in order for your for your ideas to be considered. And most definitely, 
they often resist transformation. And so when I was at this point and I was finally remembering how animals do it, and I've said before that time and again they reset my compass within my own experience of being human. For that I am and always will be (laughs) eternally grateful, I think, on my soul path. So my conversation with them went something like this. Well, they, they they asked, what is the system of belief? Energy is only one way. The thing that may change is your relationship to the situation or thing and your response to it. Both need to be honored and both are completely within our control. Something isn't bad simply because of how it is and something isn't good simply because of how it is. All things, beings in different experiences and situations on this planet of duality have a wide spectrum. And it is only perception that makes it that way. And they would say, better to embrace all things and situations as being who they are and control our own response to them. There is enough here for all beings, and we manage all resources for the other. As an example, I suppose you could say of a system of belief, but even they would say they reject that. They would say it is simply our direct interaction with energy time and time again that doesn't really even form a belief system, but we we step into each moment as being new. For instance, predator and prey. If you've ever watched a documentary about wildlife, there will be a moment where, for instance, predator comes along a group of prey. And there will be a moment where you can almost feel like everybody is plugging into the energy of the moment and they're saying, oh, oh, we recognize this energy as one of our predators. Okay, so what are we going to do now? And I think from the human perspective, we might look at that and sometimes say, why aren't they running away? Why aren't they hiding? Why are they just waiting until the predator gets closer? And the really interesting thing is that because they're dialed into the moment, they they do recognize this as a predator, but they also recognize, and again, I have seen in some documentaries, as I'm sure you have as well, even in the midst of this predator and prey situation and relationship, there may very well be a moment where predator surrenders and says, well, I'm not going to get prey today, or prey surrenders and says, okay, I choose to become part of predator. But you see, even in that particular situation, they don't look at this as good or bad. Humans would look at that and say, oh, no, another young being, old being in animal experience was eaten by predator and it looks very ugly to us and it looks very visceral to us. But even that is part of our belief system. And to a certain extent, I think, as others have said before me, it's our rejection of nature. It is our rejection, perhaps, of our own eventual transition that when we come right smack up against it in looking at nature, that was one of the things that we rejected and we said, no, no, I don't want that to be part of my belief system. Death is so 
phenomenally frightening to us as a group and perhaps to people as an individual that we are going to develop these whole belief systems that say, well, actually, you know, death is really, it's just kind of part of the transition. And then you get to go to this other place and you will be able to rest in peace and there is heaven, et cetera, et cetera. And for the animals, they would say, young transition sometimes, old transition always. Life follows death, follows life. The more that we can stay in the moment in each particular situation and choose our particular response to that particular situation, while being armed with information that we have gathered, it doesn't really form a belief system that says this always has to be this way. It actually leaves open every single situation and every single interaction with other individuals as being wide open with possibilities for lots of different things. The more neutral you can be about that, the actually more centered you will be and the actually more dialed into whatever that master language of energy is presenting to you of being an individual experience and perhaps to a group of beings an individual experience at that point in time. At least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lazanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been the Animal's Eye View Podcast. I'll see you next time. Thank you.